May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, for you are our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Good morning. My name is Ernest Graham. I'm a canon for regional ministry in the diocese, and I am so happy to be with you here today. And I thank Father Robert for inviting me to join you here today um, for our worship service. Years ago, many years ago, when I was first ordained as a priest, I served at a large church in uh, Alexandria, Virginia, just right outside of Washington, D.C. And I remember the experience of walking around with the black shirt and the funny little thing that goes around our neck um, as I do it. If you haven't had this experience, it's a strange thing because all of a sudden, people respond to you very differently. Um, some people, they, you see them just move to the other side of the street and hold their head down and walk by. And others come up with you with just the, the, all sorts of, of requests and, and, and experiences. So, you know, there were the times when people would come up and they would begin to give you their confession. And I didn't even know their name yet. <laughs> but I listened and I prayed for them. Um, there were the people that would come and they would have requests for, could you help me um, buy with some money for some food? Or can you help me with my electricity bill? Or can you help me to get a hotel room for tonight? So people would cross the street to come and do that. There was one time when I was walking down the street and a guy comes up to me and he says to me, and he, again, he didn't ask me my name and he didn't tell me his name. He said, do you believe in women priests? Now, at the time, I was working at a church with four women priests, and they were fabulous. And, you know, uh, part of me, I didn't know what to take of, of this question, and where was he coming from, and what did he mean behind it. But I went with my gut reaction was to say, believe in them. I work with them, and they're wonderful. And he said, oh. <laughs> and that was kind of the end of the conversation. He went on. I went on. But that encounter stuck with me. Uh, even to this day. And I think about that encounter as I listen to the story of Jesus when he's being tested. Uh, there are moments when we are tested, and I think that that person's question of me, in a sense, was a test. I don't know that I passed, but, but, but there, was, there was something there that I missed in that encounter. Now, what we see of Jesus in this experience is that and Jesus is tested many times in his ministry. People come up with, with all sorts of questions, and, and they're very pointed in what they're trying to get out of them, and he rarely ever falls into their traps. But in today's gospel lesson, there's a lawyer. Um, and when you read lawyer in the text, what it means is somebody who studies the scripture because um, a, a lawyer was somebody who knew the law, the Torah, um, the law of God. So this is somebody that is very well versed in the scriptures. And he comes up to Jesus and he stands before him and he tests him and he says, teacher, rabbi, what must I do to inherit eternal life? I don't know what went through Jesus's mind in that moment. I don't know if he had the instinct to be defensive in that moment because it's so easy when somebody tests you and you know they're trying to get at you to become defensive and, and, and act back that way. But that's not what Jesus does. Jesus instead asks him a question. What do the scriptures say? 
Now, his response is not that surprising. Uh, it, was a, it was a practice of rabbis and teachers of that day to respond to a question with another question. So that's not surprising. But at the same time, it also, I think, gives us an insight into the way Jesus interacts with people. And he says, what, what, what do the scriptures say? Now, the fantastic part about this story is this, this lawyer, this, this person who's well-versed in scriptures, says, well, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your mind and with all your soul and love your neighbor as yourself. That's a profound statement. And in fact, when you look at the other gospels, it's usually people asking Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus is the one that says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. So this person gets it right. Um, and Jesus, I think, picks up on that and says, you're correct, go and do it. What amazes me about Jesus in this interaction and the other times, if you look very closely at what Jesus does, is that he has the ability in the moment to be present to a person, to look at them, not get sucked into the trap that might be there in that conversation, but to see that person as a person. And when he asks him that question, what do the scripture says? He gives that person the opportunity to share where they're coming from. As I look back at my experience with that man on the street who asked me, do you believe in, in women priests? Rather than my sarcastic glib response, I could have taken the opportunity to stop in that moment and say, hi, we don't know each other. And my name is Ernest, what's your name? And you're, you're asking this question and I, I want to hear your question. Can you tell me a little bit more what's behind that? I could have taken the opportunity rather than to respond to a perceived test uh, as an opportunity for being engaged with a real human being. And I missed that, I failed that test. But we all encounter moments of testing in our lives. Sometimes they're direct. Sometimes you know when somebody's testing you, they're trying to get at you and they wanna provoke a reaction. And it is so easy to give a reaction in so many places, it really is. And then there are times when we are tested and we don't even know it. It's just part of the conversation as it emerges. I think of the experience of when you drive on a, on a long trip with a, a child or, or a teenager and you know, you're, you're listening to the music and time's going on and at some point the, 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 per, the teenager or child pops up with a question that just seems totally out of the blue. I remember a conversation with my son uh, about drugs and, and I wasn't aware of what was going on in his school and so I blathered off about my idea of what you should or shouldn't do and that was the end of the conversation. It stopped there. I think those moments when a child or a teenager um, shares something and it, it sound, may sound like a very directive um, statement or declarative statement, those are the moments that they're checking to see, are you listening to me? Is it safe to talk to you? We're tested in those moments. Um, and so we need to listen in those moments to the question behind the question, between the expectations and set aside what we think is going on in this conversation and be present to that person in the conversation. 
we get pulled into conversations on topics that, that are, are hot topics in our world right now, and there's no way to avoid them. So you might be in a conversation with friends at work or, or out with folks, or you might be in a Bible study, and, and somebody begins talking about abortion. And it, it could be so easy to chime in with what I think or what I believe or what I feel about this topic. What we don't know is there may be somebody in that room who has had to make that decision for themselves, either to do so or not to do so. And for that person, it's not a topic. It's not a political issue. It's their life. And it is a hard, hard decision to make. And no matter what decision they made, it is fueled and, 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 and it, it, is, it, is, it is exacerbated by the way we in the world respond. We need to be aware when we talk about these things that seem like they're just topics in the world that this could be somebody's very real life experience in the room with us and honor that. So you may not even know that that's in the room. I think about the experience of my, my sister's child who is in the process of coming out as trans and a couple of months ago, I had a family member who on Facebook put out all these memes that were jokes about trans people, and they were vicious, and it just kept coming. There were like four or five a week for several weeks, and I knew that this family member was friends with this person on Facebook and could see all of these really mean memes that were being shared. And I had that opportunity to talk to them later on this summer when I saw them back home. And they, they said how hurtful that was and how they knew they can't talk to that person, that family member, about their experience. They're not going to be heard. So there are times when we're being tested when we don't know because we don't know what's in another person's heart or life. I think that's when we're called to be like Jesus. And rather than give our thoughts or opinions Stop to ask the question. Stop to listen. Because each person in front of us is a child of God. The beautiful thing, the story about the gospel is that the fact that Jesus didn't stop the conversation, the fact that he, he listened, created an open door for a very real conversation to happen. And so the, the lawyer, the, 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 study, the person who studied scriptures, um, again, might be thinking that they're being smart and say, um, well, what, who is my neighbor? Um, as, as he's told this story. And so, but, but Jesus explains, he, he, he enters that conversation and he doesn't do it in a very direct way. Instead, he tells a story. He tells the story of a person who is, is beaten and left aside to die and there are people that pass by this, by the person. There's a, a priest who probably wears stuff like this. There's a Levite who's also, they have their own reasons, but they don't choose to stop and help this poor person that's dying on the road. But then there's a Samaritan, an outsider, who comes along and does bind up his wounds and takes him to a, a hotel to be cared for and then comes back and visits him. And that, then Jesus asks the person, who in this story is the neighbor? And the man says, the one who showed mercy. He says, go and do likewise. The fact that Jesus was able to listen to this person, the fact that he was able to engage him and not give him a direct answer to the question, but, but to honor the fact that he has thoughts and feelings and, and an understanding 
that that is something that opens the door for new possibilities. Jesus' goal is not to win an argument. Jesus' goal is to lead us to those deeper truths that lead us into an understanding of each other and of the world and of the kingdom of God as we see it. That's where Jesus wants us to go. But the way to follow Jesus is to not go to that place of argument and confrontation, but to find ways around it. And we do that through seeing one another as human beings. And that's a hard thing to do, but that's where it is. When I, I think about this story, it, the, the temptation for me when you read this gospel lesson is to dive into that beautiful story of the Good Samaritan. And we're the one that calls him good. It's not in the scriptures. But, but it, it's so tempting to dive to that part of the story. But what I realized as I read it this week was that the story of how Jesus interacts with this person is itself a parable about what it means to be a neighbor. Yes, it can be a neighbor to go and bind up the most wounded person around us and, and care for a person, but it also means to be a neighbor to be able to stop in the moment and listen and to see that person as a person and to engage in a conversation that goes off in different directions. Jesus shows us what it means to be a neighbor by being one himself. And that's a gift for us. We live in a world where everything is so polarized. We are trained by the, the media, by the, the, the publicity of the world, all of these state forces around us to, to, to come at each other and argue and be prepared to stand your ground with another person. We're trained to do that. We are, are literally taught by social media to act impulsively and press that button as quickly as you can or write that little comment that's going to be get a laugh or a like or a hate or whatever. We are trained to act impulsively right now, but the way of Jesus is very differently. Jesus calls us to stop in that moment, to be present to that person, and to find a new way. Because that's where we're gonna find hope, and that's where we're gonna find light. It's not gonna be in fighting one another, it's gonna be in seeing one another as beloved children of God. Who is my neighbor? I think of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. I grew up watching Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. And if you remember Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, he would, he would start off every episode and he would take off his slippers and his thing. And he'd say, hello, neighbor. And he would repeat that, repeat that phrase, neighbor, over and over again when he encountered people. And I don't think it's just the fact that it was in the title of the show, uh, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. I think it was because Mr. Rogers, Fred Rogers, was an ordained minister in the Presbyterian Church. And the word neighbor was a very loaded word. The word neighbor means I have to love you even if I disagree with you. The word neighbor means you are a part of my community and I need to treat you as such. And so every time he calls somebody a neighbor, it's to remind himself that in this moment, I've got to be present to you. You are my neighbor. Brothers and sisters, I invite you, as, as you are tested in whatever way, either in person or online, um, and you are, are tempted in that moment to, to come back with a quick retort or reply uh, that's going to get one up on the other person, stop. Stop and take a deep breath, even if it's just for a moment. 
Stop and image that person as a beloved child of God. Say to yourself, you are my neighbor. And then engage with that person and see where it takes you. It might not be the confrontation that, that seems to emerge so often these days. It may take you down different roads, but I can guarantee it'll be a more blessed road. Brothers and sisters, let us be neighbors to one another. Let us follow in the way of Jesus. Let us follow in the way of love.